0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. God, we pray that you will grant us The mercy of repentance and the justice of Jesus, who we know will one day judge both the living and the dead. We know that there is no hidden sin before your eyes. There's nothing hidden before you and all will be revealed, uh, our very own hearts. And so much deeper below all of our words, you see our hearts. You see what we mean to say when we don't know what to say. And you hold out your And to us, you hold out your word, Jesus, to us, who alone gives guidance, light, and leadership at this time. God, show us your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I realize that starting a sermon series titled, Happy Thoughts can seem maybe even tone-deaf at this time. And yet here we are, following weeks of fighting for happy thoughts. Uh, We wrote an outline for a sermon series that would lead us to the water, that would lead us to a place where we consider Jesus and all his glory and all he is for us that would rescue our heart and rescue our mind from the temptation to be in a dark place. Now, this week has not felt happy. This week has not felt joyful by any means as we remember the death of George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis. And as we think of the protests going on in our own city of Seattle that have led to Tear gas being shot into crowds and police vehicles being burned. This really has not felt like a week of joy. And I realize that the question right now is not, how do we experience joy at this time? That isn't the first question that we ask. We can't move on and not seek answers for what we are seeing play out before us in eight-minute YouTube videos and pictures from a community so close to us. I think some are wondering, will we ever feel joy again? And we see that in the tears of those who because of the color of their skin, feel afraid for their children and raising them in the United States of America. Others are wondering if it is right to even feel or desire joy when others are in so much pain. And I realize this is hard. How in this moment is it possible to start a sermon called Happy Thoughts? I believe that in the pursuit of joy, we are not led away from these streets where George Floyd died. I believe in the pursuit of joy, we are not led away from the streets where protests ripple along the pavement. Joy is not found in escaping. The pursuit of joy leads us to the streets, these streets where Jesus still walks if you avoid the conflict on the streets then you will never understand the road that took jesus to the cross if you avoid the conflict in the streets then you will never understand the road that took jesus to the cross will you wait with him in the garden will you walk with him towards the cross. Father, forgive us, because we don't know what we're doing. What we must never forget is that the journey of Jesus had a goal and a destination. We read in Hebrews 12, it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. That is how we can preach a sermon called Happy Thoughts because we consider Jesus who did not forego the cross, but considering it in all its challenges, all its pain. He walked towards it for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? That joy that can still be offered on the streets of Bremerton and Seattle on the streets of the United States of America, on the streets of the rest of the world. Jesus endured because the joyous goal was your salvation, that he bought with the price of his own blood. It was the freedom from sin. It was the freedom from injustice. That is what Jesus endured the cross for, that we could be adopted as children of God, and that is what we are. That is what we are. Now, as I thought about preaching today, I honestly thought about not <laughs> preaching today, um, I think this was one of the first times I honestly didn't have words. Just a couple weeks ago, Daryl and I had a conversation on racism and and even then I, I just asked questions. Mostly I didn't I didn't have a lot of words and I just I had no desire to go to social media and post something again. I had the desire to do something and, and so I called a couple of my African American brothers and Just said, how are you doing? Um, So I will be preaching today. uh, But I ask that you take it from someone who is feeling very broken um, and very sad. So with that context, uh, will you read with me uh, Philippians 4? four to nine. And this will be the text for our sermon series, Happy Thoughts. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I pray that so much for you, that the God of peace will be with you. In the context of these verses that Paul shares, the context that he sends this letter to the people at Philippi, um, there are two robbers of joy that he mentions before he concludes this letter with this call that he has given over and over and over again rejoice 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 in the lord this is this is not a new thought he introduced at the end but in a concluding fashion it really is a uh, a summary of all that he has been offering but but leading up to this he talks about two robbers of joy and the first is circumstances circumstances paul mentions twice in chapter 1 that he is in chains. Paul is writing to the Philippians while he is in jail. The context that I want you to imagine receiving this letter or receiving these words from Paul is a letter from someone on death row because that is where Paul is at. Paul is waiting to die. And what would you expect from a letter sent by a prisoner on death row. Well, what we expect, and no one would blame them, is we'd expect sadness. We'd expect blame, possibly, or processing. We'd expect conflict. But that is not what we get from Paul's letter. And that's what makes it so extraordinary. Paul's circumstances are hard. I think what we would expect is that there would be some role reversal. Paul or whoever was on death row would be writing, and, and we would be the ones comforting them. But the role reversal is we're the ones being comforted. In a lot of the ways, we're the ones that should be feeling better or rejoicing, and yet the one who is in the harder circumstances writes and says rejoice. See, I think too often when we read the encouragement of a person in hardship and we label them a saint as if they are something extraordinary because we refuse to accept what Paul writes here, which is that we can have a peace of God that passes understanding. Let me read that again. Too often we read the encouragement of people in hardship, prison, persecution, cancer. And we label them a saint because we refuse to accept that the peace of God can actually pass our understanding. The peace of God can truly be ours regardless of the circumstance. We find ourselves in crazy circumstances now, don't we? What would our letter be? Would it sound like this? Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. The second robber of peace is this, conflict. We read uh, in the verses just prior to what Paul writes. He says, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side because of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. He says, he said, man, I, these two women, they, they've been so faithful and yet now they're in conflict. Ask them to be of the same mind. One mind, and that mind being united in the mind of Christ. In chapter 2, he he points to what can cause conflict. Listen to this. Chapter 2, 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Do everything without grumbling. And then he says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly the word of life. Now, have we not grumbled during the pandemic? There is so much to grumble about because life is different and life is harder and life is not the way we want it to be. We have grumbled, we have grumbled, we have grumbled, we have grumbled. We've grumbled against the government. (laughs) We've grumbled because we just don't like the way we're responding. Whatever it is, we maybe have grumbled against our spouses or our places of employment. We have grumbled. You are meant to be, listen to this in Philippians 2. This is a powerful, powerful image. It says like stars in the universe we are meant to be. I want you to think of it like this. We are meant to be like like rockets on the 4th of July that go up and have this mighty display of glory. That is what we are meant to be, like stars in the universe. And yet, how often are we more like the fireworks that become duds? Because they go up, and yet there is nothing. Because we grumble, and we argue. Where does this come from? Well, in in, uh, chapter 2, verse 21, a little later, he says simply this, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of of grumbling and this is the heart of disagreements when paul or when jesus turns to peter and he says get behind me satan you don't have the mind of god you have your own thoughts and and would jesus say that to the, that to us if we're grumbling and we're experiencing conflict he goes put your thoughts aside have my thoughts think in my way Don't we know about disagreements? And don't we know about grumbling? And don't we know how to justify that? There's no justification for grumbling. (laughs) I know I'm looking very intently at the camera. I'm, I'm talking to myself here also. There's no justification for these conflicts that make us Christian duds. Instead of shining gloriously the light of Jesus Christ, your bickering and your arguing do not represent Jesus ever. This is so important, so important. And what, what makes me so passionate, I have literally laid awake at night this week thinking about this. Why are we grumbling about reopening as a church when we see so few baptisms every year? We want to be back together, but for what reason? Is there fruit? And this is really hard. And again, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. Because we find so many ways to grumble. What should we be passionate about? We should be passionate about being shining like stars in the universe that people would see the glory of Jesus in our lives. Are people seeing that by the way we are handling this pandemic, or are we grumbling? I, I heard an amazing story this week. It's just an amazing story. Someone who is watching the sermons later, they're not watching them live because they've, they've started walking with a friend who doesn't know Jesus. and they call it their Sunday church, this walk, and they get to talk about Jesus. Praise God, because that person is shining like a star in the universe. I would fully endorse that from each of you. Seek and save those that are lost. That is the reason why Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost. It says in Matthew 25 that Jesus will come at the end of the day and he'll gather everyone to himself. He'll gather the sheep and the goats. And when he speaks to them, he'll say, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was Poor, and naked. Did you clothe me when I was in prison? Did you visit me? That is how we shine like stars in the universe. It's not by just learning another lesson from the Bible. Guys, we are so fat. We are so rich in the Scripture. What are we doing about it? And and I, I know these are hard words. And I, I just, I see so much beauty in our church. I do. I see. So much beauty. I see people volunteering here at the Cafio and, 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 and really sharing their faith. So, so I'm not just saying, man, we're not doing it. I, I, there are so many people who are. I, I am just personally challenged by the desire of my heart. I, I long for my heart To seek the joy Jesus sought when he looked past the cross. The joy of enduring the cross was this that he could sit down at the right hand of the Father and make intercession for us, that we can experience salvation and adoption and turn and offer that to those around us. Don't be robbed. Of that joy. Now, as we as we move on to how we secure that joy in these difficult times, we enter into verse four and verse five. We learn how how to experience joy, how to experience joy, whether we're sitting on death row or, or grappling with pandemic, or violence on the streets, how, how do we experience joy? And, and how often and how come? How, how, how come? I think of the child who, if they were to be told, man, even at this time, seek joy, how come? I just want to read these first two verses again for us and then, and then we'll dive into answering these questions. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. How do we experience joy? And the simple answer is this, in the Lord. We can only experience joy in the Lord. Now, if I were to ask you the question, are you happy? Are you happy I imagine that you would immediately start checking off boxes. You'd have these criteria in your head. Are these things taken care of in my life? Do I have all these things? And if enough of those boxes or criteria are met, then we would say, I'm happy today. I'm happy this moment. That is not the joy that these verses are pointing to. These verses simplify the answer to this, are you found in Christ? Are you found in Christ? There are two verses I want to point you to in helping us understand whether we are found in Christ and what it means to be found in Christ. The first is John 15. Jesus says this, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, that you would bear much fruit. That's what happens when we are found in Christ. Is your life bearing much fruit? The example here is that of, of a vine and a branch. And, and it's, as, as uh, Hannah and I have, have um, taken to planting different things, I'm reminded of our little honeysuckle we bought for a great price at Lowe's. And there is one of those branches that is, is just now shooting up, wrapping around the bamboo. That is the only one. There are four other branches that have broken and are now withering. Are you the branch that is clinging to Christ? are you the one that is broken and dying? The glory of God is that you remain connected to Christ and thereby bear much fruit. In Colossians, which is the the book of the Bible that follows right after Philippians, um, Paul, writing to another city, says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things of above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things of above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is our orthodoxy. Orthodoxy simply meaning right believing or right thinking right thinking as a Christian is this. You have died and your life is now hidden in Christ. That is right thinking as a Christian. Who I was is gone. Who I am is found in Christ. But how do we live that out? And that's orthopraxy. We hear a lot about orthodoxy because we love thoughts. We love words. We love thinking correctly. And that's good. That is good, 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 okay? But It has to be paired with orthopraxy, right practice, right living, and that is where we get into the next verses. Therefore put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as ease, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of your creator. That is orthopraxy, orthodoxy, right? Thinking is going, my, my life is now hidden in Christ. I've, old self is dead. Now, now, the way we live that out is putting these things away. Anger, rage, malice put away idolatry, put away lustful thinking. These are the old practices and the new practices is putting on the mind of Christ and being renewed in the image of the creator who goes out and makes peace in the world. That is our how, to be found in him, to be found in Christ not in your old way of thinking not saying how do I do it how do I received what is my joy checklist how we find joy where we find joy is answered simply in this to be found in Christ how often well in Philippians 4 it says this always <laughs> that is how often we rejoice. Always. Now, my question is, what do we do with these times that just seem impossible? I know we find ourselves in that time right now, times when joy doesn't seem to honor the situation. I think of times where, where there is loss and there is hurt, and it is, it is just insensitive to sit with that, that person person who is experiencing the loss of a loved one, deep pain, and they're saying, Jesus said, rejoice always. You're right. It doesn't honor the situation to do that. There are times when we find ourselves away from joy, and we need to relocate ourselves in joy. I think of, um, when I'm traveling to a location and I have it in my GPS and I park at a certain place and turn turn my GPS off and the course was set, but when I've stopped and I turn back that GPS, it has to relocate where I'm at. And oftentimes it has my car pointed in the right direction. So you start going and then the whole map shifts to give you a whole new route. and And that's what it feels like when we feel joyless, that we need to relocate ourselves. But just because you don't feel joy doesn't mean you are not still in Christ. That the one who endured the cross for you and the joy that was set before him was to secure you and your salvation, you are still found in him in those impossible times. And and we're meant to relocate Joy. We're meant to, in those impossible times, find what is possible only when we find ourselves in Christ. Is it impossible for joy and sorrow to be held together? Well, in Hebrews 12, when we see Jesus, we know it's not. We know he endured the cross because there was a joy set before him. We know that suffering and sorrow and joy we held together in the perfect son of God. And I don't know if this is better represented in modern times and then in the allegory of Heinz Feet on High Places. In, in the allegory of Heinz Feet on High Places, which my, my family loves to read and reread and reread over and over again, it tells the story of a little deer called Much Afraid. And Much Afraid longs to go to the high places because she lives in the, the place of fearing, the valley of fearing and fearing. Longs to go to the pastures where the shepherd and his culture and his kingdom are. Now, now, much afraid can't just immediately enter. She must relocate. She must find her way there. And so she's given companions by the chief shepherd. And those companions are sorrow and suffering. And she is afraid when she is given sorrow and suffering. She goes, she She's terrified by their their bulk and their shadow and the way they help her. How can these be companions given by the good shepherd? Well, once she finds herself finally in the high places, those companions, sorrow and suffering, are revealed for who they were all along. Peace and joy. As much as we're unable at times to understand where we are, we often do not comprehend who goes with us. Let me say that again. As much as we're unable at times to understand where we are, it's because we often do not understand who goes with us. I think oftentimes when we see sorrow and suffering going with us, we don't realize that that Jesus has given us those companions. And those companions are peace and joy. There's so much, so much to unpack in that, but we see it in the son of God who we find ourselves in. There's a very difficult uh, verse in Philippians where Paul explains this very thing. Philippians 1, 29, he writes this, for it has been granted to you. And the word there, he simply means gifted. It has been gifted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have, you've been given The gift of walking with Christ. Let me read to you again what I wrote as an introduction. I believe that the pursuit of joy does not lead us away from these streets where George Floyd died and where protests ripple along the concrete. Joy is not found by escaping. The pursuit of joy leads us to the streets, these streets where Jesus walked. If you avoid the conflict on the streets, then you will never understand the road that Jesus took. Will you wait with him? Will you walk with him? So how come? How come? What I mean by this is, I think some of us just want to feel more of the sorrow right now. In some ways, that feels like an answer in itself. The how come is simply this the Lord is near. The Lord is near, and I think Paul intentionally means this in two ways His presence is near. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus giving the great commission to his disciples says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. How is he with us? Well, as we are relocating ourselves in him, he is with us along the way. He's that friend in the car that you need not speak. You can sit in silence with, you can sit in hurt with, you can sit in doubt with, And yet his presence itself is power and his presence itself is peace. And with him, you will find joy. The second way the Lord is near is that his return is near. Now people for a long time have been saying that the return of Jesus is near. But consider the sides of time and the way time works. I think of My puppy, Neil, who just being a year and a half old is the size of a small elephant. And it doesn't seem like a year and a half ago that he could be held very simply in my arms. I think of a wedding day that seems so far off and yet that last three days, it seems like there's so much to do. I think of nine months till the birth of our child And we're already halfway there. It seems both forever away, but it seems like there's so much to do. We say of God so often that he's taking forever, but he is taking his time. And there is grace in his time. There is grace in his time. Jesus will come and he will gather all to himself the dead and the living, and we will stand before him one day. He will separate the sheep and the goats and we all will have that experience. And I believe at that time, we won't, we won't question his time. I think we'll be grateful for the grace he gave us in the time that we had, and the time that we had to seek his face and to find ourselves in him. So that is my simple question for you in these times. Are you finding yourself in him? Or are you given to grumbling? Are you given to so many words Are you walking with sorrow and suffering and finding in those companions that one day by his grace they'll be transformed into peace and joy? If we walk with him and find ourselves in him. Pray with me. Oh, Jesus, you're the only word that brings comfort. You're the only word right now that brings appropriate sorrow. I pray that you'll be the word we speak. teach us how to walk with sorrow and suffering and to trust that you will transform us one day by your grace to true everlasting peace and joy as we find ourselves in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. These words feel uh, especially poignant today. We invite you to uh, join us in incarnating King Jesus in city life, speaking its languages, singing its rhythms, sharing its spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, inviting the city into the kingdom of God.